Jeff, happy week 15 of the NFL season. Good to be here. Really good to be here. And uh, I love the fact we got some Saturday Night Football back. Uh, yes, we do have that back. The... Uh, resurgence of Saturday Night Football. We like it. Good one tonight. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later. Chiefs and Chargers, a lot of star power missing from tonight's game, but we'll get you all boiled down with our favorite segment of the week. We'll call it What to Watch at 7.43. Joining us on the line right now, we don't typically start the show with a guest, but when you have a guest of this high caliber, you like to get him in whenever you can. And if Andrew Brandt says, guys, i got to go at 6.07 tonight, then darn it, <laughs> we're going to make room for Andrew Brandt, former capologist from the Green Bay Packers, read his stuff for the Monday morning quarterback, business executive, mind, and uh, this guy's involved in just about everything, but everything he puts out there, I read. Happy to have Andrew Brandt on the line with us. Hi, Andrew. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for taking me. I'm actually doing my last – I've been doing this gig all year with Amazon – where they do the Thursday night football games, and I'm one of the people that kind of calls in on the streaming to give insights in in my specific area of expertise. So our last game is tonight, uh, last Thursday night game of the year. Andrew, do you get free prime for that? <laughs> Unfortunately, I already had it, so uh, <laughs> maybe they should take over my bills. Yeah, I don't know how I get uh, I get stuck with that still. Yeah, well, Andrew, the reason I wanted to have you on, I thought you had a very interesting piece uh, that appeared in Sports Illustrated. Obviously, you, you are very well-versed in the inner workings of Green Bay, and uh, things don't move terribly fast in Green Bay. I would say that folks up there may be loyal to a fault at certain times. You could probably say that safely. Uh, there is no single owner. It's a very unique situation. We yep. know that. With that, I wanted to get your reaction to the midseason-ish firing of Mike McCarthy and just... I don't, I don't know what the right word is for that, how out-of-bounds, progressive. I, mean, I don't know what the right word to apply to it is, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know what the right word is. I mean, the right word, I guess, that I used was really out of character. Uh, I talked about how it doesn't surprise anyone listening. Change doesn't come very often or very quickly to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I worked nine years at the address of Lombardi Avenue, and sometimes it seemed like we were living in the Lombardi era, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but to see change happen the way it did and the time it did was surprising to me because, you know, there are few coaches in the league that have the gravitas of Mike McCarthy, Super Bowl champion, so many winning seasons, so many playoff appearances. You can count on one hand that group. And to let him go with four games left really surprised me. And again, I haven't been there in a while. I don't have any inside knowledge. I'm not a scoop guy, but I was just surprised, shocked by it. And as I said, guys, I don't believe all the reasons. You know, to say we want to get on the market fast, we want to let Mike get on the market. I just think there's got to be more to that. And what is the more? Well, maybe they want to talk to someone that they can't really talk to in a few weeks. That would be a college coach. I don't know who it is. But if they were just going to get a jump on the market and they can't talk to NFL assistants, why get a jump on the market? So there has to be other people they're thinking of that are not NFL assistant coaches. That's the only thing I can come up with. I think a lot of people look at what happened and, and they wonder, did the message get too stale? 
Uh, and, you know, you, you talk about this in your article. It's, it's inevitable after 13 years. And, and you mentioned yourself personally that after nine years, you, you got the sense that it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. We know how high pressure, high demand the NFL is. Is there an element to burnout uh, that I think it's overlooked when you see a situation like this? Yeah, burnout's kind of a strong word. It's just everything, you know, with these, with, with the way that we characterize it in the media, I'm now part of media, sometimes it's a lot more subtle. You just feel like, in my certain situation, I felt like, okay, been there, done that. And done all the contracts, done all the cap, done all the player grievances, done all the roster management, sat through the drafts, sat through free agencies, and... You know, I'm a person that kind of wants to try a lot of different things in life. And I've turned down offers from other teams because I've been there and done that. And I think with a coach, it's a little more like you said, the message. Um, listen, the Aaron part, I saw them together for four years very close. That was nine years ago. So I don't know, you know, I just think, like you said, like I said, relationships can become stale. Do I think Mike's and Aaron's relationship was broken? Absolutely not. Do I think it got frayed over the years? Sure. Andrew Brandt joining us on Sports Central, presented by Miller Lyons. Happy to have you along for the ride here till 8 o'clock. Andrew, uh, you mentioned that Mike McCarthy had a, a goal of changing the culture, the player culture in Green Bay when he arrived. Now, of course, there, there was a Super Bowl renaissance, and but that quickly went downhill, right? I mean, Reggie White was gone. Brett Favre was getting up in years. There was a lot of turnover there, some coaching turnover as well. But it, he had an idea for trying to increase the culture. Do you believe he was successful in that pursuit, and how did you assist in that role? Yeah, absolutely successful. You know, he got there, and we've sort of, we sort of allowed it over the years where the offseason was uh, we deferred. <laughs> to more geographically desirable places. Players just go to Texas, Florida, California, wherever they were, and we didn't demand that they come up. And that changed, and I had to change it contractually, where I had to take out part of their money and put it into a workout bonus requiring 90% participation. And that was really tough, really tough, because, you know, when you change something, change is hard. And I had pushback from all the agents, like, come on, can't he just work out in Texas and send you the reports every night, send you the reports every hour? And I'm like, no, that's not what this is about. It's about a culture change. I, Mike's words, accountability and availability. And we wanted to do that. That was a tough couple of years. But now every contract the Packers has has that. So once you get it in, you've got it. And Aaron Rodgers is one of them. So they all have these meaningful workout bonuses. I think Aaron's is a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I tried to tell the agents, better for your cash flow. You don't have to wait till the season to get your money. So eventually we got it in, and that was Mike's pushing me to do that. Did any players turn that down in the early stages? Oh, yeah. Well, they wouldn't turn it down in terms of we were doing it, but they wouldn't show up still. I had one player, and he'll remain nameless. Dang. <laughs> You can give me $2 million. I'm not coming there in the spring. Oh, <laughs> I'm not coming. So, uh, you know, but they all had it in there. Pick any spot in the world. You pay me $2 million, I'll go. Yeah, well. 
if you're not used to Green Bay, Wisconsin in March, <laughs> I don't know. When I, I want to ask you about this, because um, a lot of people are trying to connect the dots between Mike McCarthy going to the Cleveland Browns. And, um, and you talked in your article about how much change there has been with the coaching staff, and, and, and there's just been a lot of turnover in Cleveland. I mean, of course, the Packers are on the, the polar opposite. I mean, they've been stable. And then you think about places like New England and Pittsburgh that have been remarkably stable for 20 years, or you know, in the case of Pittsburgh, for 50 years. Why don't more NFL teams try to uh, copy that style of consistency like we see in Green Bay, New England, and Pittsburgh? I don't know. It's all about the people. You know, it's easy to say, let's just do it like, like Pittsburgh or Green Bay, you know, but it's, if you have success, it's sustained success. And if you don't have success, you want turnover. You know, I give the Browns owner some credit that he's not afraid to spend and spend and spend to get it right. He's paying so many former coaches and so many former executives, uh, their money from contracts that he got out of. And, it's a lot of money, but, you know, he's going to keep doing it until he gets it right. And, you know, I would think Mike would be an obvious candidate in Cleveland if that's what he wants. I don't know if he'll get the job, but uh, I would think he'd be an obvious candidate there. Is it possible, Andrew, that Green Bay is too nice of a place, too family-oriented a place for certain candidates? I Here's... Here's where I'm going with this. Mike McCarthy gets fired. What happens? He's invited back to greet the team. Ted Thompson gets essentially fired, demoted. They give him a cube at the end of the hall. He's still part of the family. You know what I'm saying here? Like, and if people want to point to a, a guy like Jim Harbaugh, it's like, well, wait a minute here. That I I don't that doesn't fit in my book. Is is it possible Green Bay is just a a very unique and specialized place that requires a very unique and specialized person? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I know people, I hear it every time someone goes to Lambeau to watch a game. They, oh, people are so nice. <laughs> you know, it's like a broken record. I'm like, yeah, 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 they are. Um, because you don't see that in other stadiums. You see much more edginess, especially with East Coast stadiums. Um, you know, I guess that niceness is translated in different ways, but, you know, I don't think. You know, I don't think coaches are letting players do whatever they want in that way. So the, uh, the niceness is something where it's a reputation for the um, community more so than inside the team. Really interesting stuff, Andrew. Always appreciate your time and uh, your insight. Uh, would love to have got that name out of you, the $2 million guy. <laughs> Not happening. Not happening. Get away no. from my book. <laughs> that that I would subscribe to. In fact, uh, I'd, I'd be the first one in line to get a copy, as long as you sign it for me. You got it. Sounds good, Andrew. I do hope we can check in again down the road. Appreciate Talk your time to you tonight. Soon. Thanks. All right, take care. That's uh, Andrew Brand. That guy's fascinating.